The Football Frenzy. Hey, hit me so hard down there. The Football Frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. Yeah, it's funny during the break we were just talking about that question that took off. And we'll, we'll crunch the pads here in a second. Caleb Herring's with us, former UNLV quarterback, Silver 7, 77 cent beers on the way with kickoff of Thursday night football. Both bars are open, Bud Light Lounge and the uh, Silver and Gold. And if you sign up for an A-play card, you start to accrue points when you play. They've got great giveaways. Tonight's giveaway is uh, gift cards. So 6 o'clock tonight until 10.30, every half hour, $100 gift card goes out. Today is uh, for Best Buy gift cards. It's Silver 7's at Flamingo and Paradise. So that question we were talking about with Xavier Pope really took off the last three days on Twitter. And the question was, hey, what was your family celebration dinner spot that you thought was really fancy but really isn't? And then, like, I'm seeing... There's, there's a lot of, I don't want to call them out by name, but there's a lot of people on our staff who I think believe they grew up poor, but they didn't. Yeah. Um, and when they mention celebration spots and they're like, oh, we thought it was fancy, but it's not. Like, Black Angus is not the right answer. Um, <laughs> no. I'm, you know, I'm not even sure. Like, because I don't, I don't think Red Lobster is crap. Like, it's kind of medium priced to, it could be pricey. It's yeah. cheaper seafood than some other places, but it's not like when you start talking about, hey, a fast food joint was like, hey, we got to go to a fast food joint. That was like our big treat. Right. Like then you grew up a little I, less off than others. So it's the, it's a weird phenomenon because I'm not going to say it's just because it happens everywhere now. I think with social media, this new generation of people and the, the way pe- people are now trying to identify with struggle that isn't necessarily right. theirs. And this goes to like multiple different fronts right now where it's as simple and, and as fun and as restaurants here we're talking about but it goes to like depression and mental health there are people who want to lump, lump themselves into the struggle category yeah. uh for whatever reason and then you look at their life you're like what you're not you're not struggling like if olive garden was a weekend trip for you like you used to go to olive garden regularly to even know that they serve unlimited breadsticks and salad like i didn't know that growing up like, the first time I went to Olive Garden was as a guest with somebody else for dinner. I was like, holy crap, this is fancy. Which fork do I use? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that, that's the type of childhood that you have to come from to say that that's struggle. It's almost a mockery of real struggles yes. when, when you yeah. hear people, well, people like don't have an understanding of it. Yeah, they it's like, like you had a car in high school. Yeah. That's, to me, that's ridiculous. That's absurd. The love, it doesn't matter how good the car was. You, you were able to ride to school on four wheels in, with an engine. To me, outlandish. That's that is the greatest indicator because we do have people on staff who I don't think have not had a new car. They're in their forties. They've always had a new car. Yeah, They're, you can't answer the restaurant question. Then you you're can't. out. You're out. You're out. And I'm not. I, I'm. I'm myself. I am in the middle. I had a '76 Chevette, which was a piece of crap. Right. But I think I may have paid my older brother a couple hundred bucks for it. You know, and I worked, yeah. but but like, but I still had access to a car. Yeah, and that so that so I'm not going to say like, if you know, you were taking. I, I I took the bus a little bit before I got the car, but if like you didn't have a car for a long time, then yeah, I think you're qualified to answer what is a fancy restaurant, what's not, what was your celebration dinner. But yeah, a lot of people glommed onto this, and it's like you don't get what's going on like, here. I I grew up what I would consider now looking back at. I didn't know at the time. I grew up poor, and I wouldn't have known it at the time because my family and my mom and dad never you know let me go to bed hungry and whatever they made things happen um and i just wasn't caring about finances i guess when i was a kid but i knew what the repo man was 
Like you, you know what I mean? I, like I I knew that in my youth. And if you don't even know what repossession looks like, or have never seen it, or have never had uh, candlelit nights, you know, when the when the electric bill was a little bit late, like th- those kinds of things are indicative of struggle, right? Whereas uh, saying that you went to Black Angus as a celebration meal is not indicative of struggle. Like like it's just it's almost foreign to be well, like it's not that it's not Ruth Chris or <laughs> Morton's. Hey, you know. like, yeah. Yeah, but that's not what we're talking about. Yeah, we're we're going for the struggle, and if, if it was real, you know it. You felt it. Uh, a happy meal was a treat. It was a special occasion. And yeah, dollar menu was like, oh my god, we're balling tonight. Yeah, you you struggled. You know what the struggle is. So there's there's certain qualifications, and not these days. I think it's become popular to identify with struggle, and that's what people yeah. are doing. And it's 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 kind of weird. It's it's strange. Uh, the most important thing I learned from my parents was. Uh appreciating that you know they were giving us stuff providing for us and a thriftiness that is beyond both of them and it is the root of many of my stories and why i get in trouble and i know you heard the story and i want to run this by you because you and i have talked a lot over the years about christmas lights and the house setup. <laughs> you heard the story of me getting stuck on the roof the yes. other day yes because i'm so freaking cheap i won't pay the folks who set things up to go up on the roof and hang all the lights. Mm-hmm. So I tried to hang my Christmas lights. I wanted to get the peak on the garage. It's like 20 feet off the ground, if not a little bit higher. I had an extension ladder, an A-frame ladder, and I just wimped out going all the way up to the 20 feet. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to climb on the roof. I'm going to hang over and just hang the lights that way. That can't be that hard. I got up there, and I'm like, oh, my God, I can't do this. And then just getting off the roof, I'm like, now I can't get off the roof. So I was, you know, I was stuck on the roof for a little bit. I am an idiot. Uh, <laughs> next chapter of the story is... Yesterday, I heard some ladders outside. There were some dudes working on the windows of the, uh, the neighbor's house, and I hear the clanging of the extension ladder, and I ran out. I'm like, I'm like what are you doing? So anyway, long, <laughs> I, I gave the guy some money, and he went up, and in like five seconds was like leaning over, reaching, stretched out, yeah. had no fear of it, got it done, and then uh, I had a dead strand on it that I had to replace. So I went up last night because you know, I like to do these things. If I fall, no one will ever find me. Um, I like to do them at like 1130 at night. It was cold. <laughs> I went up. I plugged it in. Now all the strands work. I'm happy the house is together. You haven't. You didn't hang your lights, did you? I So I this year I switched. I didn't hang any lights. Oh, come I, on. I, okay, okay. Uh, because for someone who's 6'4", I have an issue with heights. And I admit this. Like, I, I don't like to be in positions where I could fall. And that's just like to me. I, it's always the coming down part on the ladder that gets me too. It's not like once I'm up there, I'm typically fine. But reaching your foot down, the level of trust required to get a grip on the ladder with your foot is something that I'm just not comfortable with. So this year, um, because I was a little late getting things gone, I, I decided my daughter's picking her first decorations uh, because I let my kids pick. It's the inflatables in the front yard. Uh, my daughter picked hers, and she's excited about that. So when I went and got that, I got a projector light, which I, as as this is my two-week review of the projector lights. I don't know if you've seen it. They project, like, lights onto the side of your house. I've got, I've got four of them. Yeah, so th- that, to me, I'm not... <laughs> I love them. I've got I love four them. of them. I have them on the back. No one, no one can see them except people yeah, like, that, walking in a park. Exactly, because it's and not I, a very would, bright light. I would put... Um, I my The one out front is awesome. Right. I would put so many on my house. So this year, I went only with the projector. That's I not, didn't do lights. That's not a bad option. Yeah, so I, I did the, the, the projector for the, the actual house. I've got the two inflatables out front in the front yard. I've got the candy canes lying in the driveway. I've got the presents at the front door. Uh, so, it, it, I mean, it's, it's set up. It's just I didn't go, and I almost feel like I skipped on a Christmas rite of passage, like a tradition, to get on the house 
and put the lights hanging from, you know, the roof and stuff, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel like I earned it. You know, I, I didn't earn my Christmas cheer this year because I skimped out and I went just projectors, but I didn't do the roof thing. I'm, and I'm fine with that. One day I'm going to say starting, you know, January 3rd, I'm going to save up so that I can feel justified or, or okay and sleep at night paying someone to hang a professional setup on my house. I say next year I will be over my phobia and I will bring the extension ladder over and we'll do it together. If you're over your phobia, I'll gladly be your support man. I, I won't be. Um, <laughs> but I'm, that's the goal. Yeah. That's the goal. Um, I got a message from Danny on Twitter, at pocket underscore 10. He said, your Christmas light story makes me feel so much better. I got on the roof to fix a leaky gutter and thought to myself, yeah, just hang over and do it. Aborted after one look over the edge, was up there for 30 minutes just figuring out how to get down. That was me. <laughs> it's, it's the most dicey situation you could be in. The, the, the different plans and how they will end that go through your head in that moment. Like, it's like, what if I do this? I'll fall and I'll die. Well, what if I do this? I'll fall and I'll die. What if I do this? I'll fall, someone will see, laugh at me, and I'll die later. I went through like, all of those. That was my biggest problem. It's not, it wasn't like the physical part of it. It was the mental. I was going through all the injuries I could suffer right. by, by falling. Can right. I still get up and go to work if I fall and dislocate my shoulder? And then I'm, I'm so weak mentally now that when things aren't going right at times, because my whole thing is I can't do anything easily that like men traditionally should be able to do, and right. I get bummed out, and then I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to stay up here all night. <laughs> now I'm going to make myself pay for this. Like a good example, Ari saw me do it yesterday. Um, I got to our office at 2.45. I can't figure out how to use our app that has these automated uh, the locks, right? Yeah, the locks. Yeah. I got there at 2.45. My app was not working. I refused to knock on the door and have the receptionist open the door for me again. I texted Ari. I was like, hey, when you're ready, just open the side door. And I sat out front from 2.45 to 2.59, and I'm like, hey, if I miss the beginning of the show, it's on me. I'm an idiot. You punish yourself. <laughs> yeah, I, I do. It's the only way. I get so bummed out. It's, it's, it's the most depressing thing, especially as a man. We really have a thing. Ah! Like, we, we, we got to get over ourselves. Like, when I can't lift something, and I have an example, too. We move our furniture. So I, I recently moved all my, like, studio equipment and microphone stuff to the garage. So I, like, have a man risky, cave set up. Risky, Yeah, so I moved the couch and everything. And my wife's like, just take it apart. Take the couch apart. And I'm like, no, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. Yep. And halfway down the stairs, I have a turn on my stairs. I'm stuck. And I, the Not stubbornness in me is like, ugh, I'm trying not to ruin the walls. And all this stuff. So I get stuck and I get wedged. And my wife's just looking at me. And I'm just, as a man, I just sat there for 30 minutes, like, pondering how I was going to get out of this because I, that was me punishing myself. I shouldn't. I just swallowed my pride initially and hired a guy. Like, why, why are we so afraid to hire a guy? Jeez. We, we, I think we're right you, man. We punish ourselves. We should. I do the, I do the same thing. Uh, five-finger death punch is what I deserve. Uh, no, there's a band coming to town. You know them. You've heard of them. With Brantley Gilbert uh, alongside. Two sets of tickets. Caller 7 and 8, 364-1100. It's this Saturday, Mick Ultra Arena, five-finger death punch. Ari's got two sets of two tickets. You can grab the tickets at Ticketmaster.com, but Ari's got your tickets right now, 364-1100. Get 77-cent bottles of Bud, Bud Light, and Michelob Ultra on NFL and Golden Knights game days at the Silver 7s Hotel and Casino. See the Lake skin on look, the numbers? The space, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're going to like this one, so. They're going to like this one, so. By far, the best in the helmet. See the snake skin, the snake skin on the numbers, and the snake skin on the side, the snake skin the on the side of the pants. Best unis in the XFL by far. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver Sevens, it's Cofield and Company. 
Some reaction to the XFL uniforms, which are out. We've got a team here, the Vipers, in Vegas. We've got a lot of experience, NFL and uh, football players who've been trying to get to the NFL. And, and Matt Jones, the guy who's played in the league, was a third-round pick. He's one of the running backs on the Vipers and is nice enough to give Caleb Herring, who, of course, played his football at UNLV. He's nice enough to give uh, Caleb and myself, Cofield, a little bit of time. Matt, how you doing, buddy? Good, man. How you doing, man? We're good. Yeah, yeah, we're good. We're fired up. You know, we got the Raiders here, but uh, there's never enough football, and you guys are going to be starting up in January. So for you, um, you know, why are you still chugging along, and why were the you know the, the Vipers the right spot? I know they had a draft, but why is Vegas the right spot for you? Uh, man, I'm still chugging along just because, man, my drive for the game. I love the game. Um, I still got a lot left in the tank, man. I have a lot to prove, and I'm just ready to play. Um, and I feel that Vegas, you know, it's an opportunity to get – get away over there on the West Coast and, and, and be lasered in and focused in. you got a nice head coach, man, who's been around football, and he knows about, you know, getting to that next level and, and being at that, that next level, playing at a high level. So, man, I'm excited about that, man, and it's just uh, going to be a blessing to be around that kind of environment. Is it difficult? You know, a lot of football players, uh, for the longest time, it was NFL or bust, and it was like everybody dreamed to play in the NFL, and I know this was sort of my outlook when I decided to hang them up was like, I didn't make the NFL, and I I don't I didn't know for sure if I loved the game enough to pursue it through other means at the time that were available with you know CFL going up to Canada, indoor football, arena football, whatever the case may be. But now the XFL, does the mindset now change? You know, where at any point where it's like, hey, I may not ever make it to the NFL, but if I can make a living playing football, is the love of the game driving you to that degree, or is NFL still the goal? Yeah, definitely. Uh, NFL is still the goal. Um, but having this opportunity and knowing that it wasn't around for, you know, a lot of guys and to, to have this opportunity to, to get back to where I want to go, man, it's a blessing, man. I, I don't take it for granted. Um, I'm just excited for this opportunity. I'm like, I'm just ready to get to work. Um, I can't thank the XFL enough, you know, the Rock and all, and all everybody who's behind him that, you know, bought into the league to bring it back because, you know, the last XFL closed early, and I had a good strive of going, and I felt like I was only going to get stronger. Um, but, I, like I get, again, I say, man, I'm just happy for this opportunity, and I'm just ready to get to work and happy that this is there a, itself again. Is there a learning curve? We talk about the XFL and getting this league back going. There's a difference, right, to how the game is played. I know definitely with arena football there was a big difference, and Canadian football just the rules being different. Is, are you noticing now a difference in, like, you know, your time uh, in college and the pros? Are you noticing now a difference with how the game is really played, coached, or managed at the XFL level? Oh, uh, definitely, man. It, it, was, it was a much, um, you know, they try to move it at a faster pace. Um, you can kind of feel it, but at the same time, it's still football, so I kind of just related it back to football and not try to let that kind of play in my head, but... At this point right now, man, I'm just looking at it towards football. And then the rules are tweaked just a little bit. And, um, you know, it's kind of similar to the NFL. But I don't let it bother me too much. Matt Jones is with a former NFL player. Could be an NFL player again. XFL is coming to town. Vegas Vipers. Uh, we didn't get to ask you, are you a, uh, a Vegas guy? You frequent Vegas? Have you been here before? Uh, I've been there one time in high school, man. I came out there and played Bishop Gorman. Um, in high school, we played uh, our first game opener out there. We got a chance to play them, and we won out there. Um, and it was a good experience, but I was in high school, so I really didn't, you know, really get to get out and enjoy the city and, and see what Vegas was all about. But I'm excited to be out there, excited to go 
and, and see what Vegas has to offer. Are you excited about your Florida team being in the Vegas playing in Allegiant Stadium? Are you going to be able to check that out? Man, that's good, man. Um, I'm kind of upset that our quarterback is, you know, leaving early for the NFL, but, you know, he has an opportunity to go chase his dream. I want to see him play again. But I'm happy that, you know, our, our school has an opportunity to play in a bowl game, and that's big. So I'm going to be watching that and tuned into it. And it's fun that they're out there in Vegas where I'm going. So it's gonna, that's a big opportunity for me just to, you know, watch that and be a Gator alum. Matt Jones, Vipers uh, running back, is with us. Anthony Richardson, the quarterback who's leaving. I mean, you're a third-round pick. He might be a third, fourth, fifth-round pick. Might not get drafted. Who knows with the quarterback position. What piece of advice would you give him as he tries to make the transition and, you know, make the big bucks and establish himself in the NFL? Um, I'll tell him, man, because he's, he's all-around athletic. Got the arm, got the, got the legs, um, got the knowledge. And I would just tell him, man, just – you know, study the game, you know, and, and study, the, study the coaches and, and, and study the offense and, and just stay on, on your P's and Q's. Because, you know, the quarterback, man, when you master the game, and you're, you're unstoppable. And he has all the tools to be, you know, in a pocket or a running quarterback. He has all the tools to be everything that he wants to be and uh, everything that a team that wants to win to be. So I, he's got to stay lasered in and, and just master the game. That's what all I would give him. What do you think of the Florida program right now and where it is? I think it's coming up, man. I think we got some, a nice group of guys. We got a nice uh, stack of running backs. Um, like I said, I'm kind of mad that he's leaving, but you know he got an opportunity. Um, and I, lo- I love what uh, you know Phil Napier is doing there, man. He- he's changing around, and I-, I feel like we'll be a uh, a bigger team next year, a more established team next year. Definitely with some re- a lot of recruits that we have. I've been watching the recruiting draft, so. And I think we should be good, man. I think we should be good. We had uh, we had Dan Mullen on, the former Florida coach, and I expect him to be back coaching at some point. I think right now he's just enjoying the money he got from the, the big buyout like so many of these coaches get. Were you surprised right. with Mullen? Uh, he seemed to express her. Like the Florida atmosphere with the Gators is so impatient. Um, were you surprised or displeased that they moved on from him? Um, yeah, so early I was because I met him, and um, he, he's actually a great guy. He was – he was a player coach. I got a lot of stuff from him in the locker room that he was good. Uh, there was a lot of hype about him. And I, I wanted to see him, you know, strive there and be and be the guy. And, um, you know, just unfortunately, you know, that's how it works. And, you know, if you're not winning enough at a, a top school like that, and you know what comes out of that. But, man, I'm, I'm, I'm happy he still gets to be paid and, and enjoy and get back into coaching later on. You played for, who was the head coach, Muschamp and McIlwain? Yeah, I played for Muschamp. Okay, you played for Muschamp. He's an interesting personality. He's 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 pretty fired up. Yeah, he was definitely man. He was good. He, I, that, that was actually my you know he was one of my my favorite coaches, man. Um, he was always just into the game. You know, he was always fired up. Um, you know, he's a defensive guy, but he definitely you know looked over to the offense to let us know. But one thing about him, man, he always pointed me in the right direction. If I asked him about you know leaving for school early or, you know, moving off campus and stuff like that, man, he always led me in the right direction. I really don't, you know, have too much bad to say about him, man. He's a good guy. So you got to tell me about the the NFL experience because I'm always curious from a player standpoint. You know, you may not have that much connection to the owner. What You got drafted by the, the Redskins now, the Commanders. What was the Dan Snyder Washington experience like? Oh, man, it's, it's, like, a, it's like a dream come through, man. That's something I'll never forget. You know, playing in Washington was good, man. I was there three and a half years. 
Um, it was good being there. I learned everything about the city. I like I like traveling back to the city. Uh, you know, Snyder was a good guy. You know, they took me in and, and drafted me, and, and the GM, Scott McClellan, man, he was good. Um, I mean, I, I had an amazing time in there, man. I wish I could have finished there. You know, unfortunately, you know how things work in the league. But, uh, you know, that's what we're here now. That's why I got this opportunity now to be back, to try to get back. But, you know, I want to handle things in the XFL first. But, uh, man, Washington is just like a, you know, it's stamped in my heart. You know, I, I'm always a, a Redskin, but now the Commanders, but it's always there. <laughs> XFL is coming to Vegas uh, starting up in January. Got a star-studded uh, cast of players, uh, coaches as well. Rod Woodson is the head coach. You can grab your tickets. You can leave deposits right now at XFL.com. Look for the uh, Vegas drop-down, and you can put down deposits for uh, tickets. So there is a need for one of these leagues to really break through and become a solid league and pay you guys and stay around for a long time. You've played in a bunch of leagues that are just beneath the NFL. Like, like in your view, what what does a league need to do to kind of to get it done and and be stable and stay around? Um, I feel like the last XFL would have made it, man. If you know, unfortunately, COVID hit because yeah. uh, I feel like we uh, we attracted a lot of fans and a lot of people. Um, definitely, they're putting the, they're putting the right teams in the right cities, you know, to bring in revenue and to and to come out and, and spend money on tickets and, and and have a fun and have fun. So I think it's heading in the right direction. I think. The Rock and Danny and Dana, they bought it at the you know at the right time to, to attract people because everybody is looking for it now. And they did a good job with the uniforms. You know they're attracting a lot of people right now, as in you know uh, the, the facilities and stuff like that. And they're getting everything together, man. And, and like on social media, you can see the, everybody's attracted to the uniforms and helmets and stuff like that, man. So I think they're heading in the direction of you know being a stable lead. Follow Matt up on uh, Twitter. I think I got the right handle, right? At Matt Jones RB, at Matt Jones running back. Yes, sir. There it is. Hey, Matt, uh, looking past football, I, I don't know how much you're prepping right now for a uh, post-career, but what are you doing with, with uh, your other time aside from football? Like, what do you want to do? Um, in my downtime, man, I'm in real estate. I got a couple of properties that I'm renting out, and I also got a car dealership. And you know, that's, that's kind of fun to be in, in the car game. Um, you know, just drive different kind of cars. That's what I got in the for. But after it makes good money, man. And uh, real estate is definitely one of the big things that, you know, that keeps me going and, and keeps me high because I like building stuff and from ground up and just seeing something into something that, you know, somebody can live in and be comfortable in and say I did that. But, uh, man, like I say, real estate and the car game, that's what I'm in right now. You know, but football is always, you know, a special number one in my heart. And that's something that I want to get back to doing. How's the uh, real estate market in Florida? Uh, it's pretty bad right now, uh, but it's work. It's gonna work itself out. Uh, it, it was bad probably about a six, like worse than six months ago. You know, prices were still sky high, but it's kind of coming down a little bit now down here. Uh, like I said, I got three properties, so I'm not doing too much. But I got you know, it's something coming in, and uh, the, the dealership is always you know, some coming in every week, something like that. So that's pretty good. Nice. All right, well, when you're on the ground here in Vegas, we want to talk to you again, and we wish you luck and hope you have a monster season. Have a good holiday, and we'll see you soon, okay? Thanks for coming on. I appreciate you guys. Thank you, man. There he is. Matt Jones played at Florida. Big dude, 6'2", 239. Played in the NFL with uh, Washington and was also with uh, Philly for a little bit. Goes back to Muschamp, who I, I was 
I was looked at as just a complete lunatic, screaming, fired <laughs> up. There's there was a video that came out this year with Muschamp and uh, I think Saban yeah. on the same sideline. It was just like dueling, heads exploding. It's I, I always like coaches that coach like that. I it's it's hilarious to me. I I, I the, the do you like that as a player? I didn't, and I like I don't know anybody who did like it. If anything, it was like you could deal with it. You can like okay, I get it. I can take a a good ass chewing. Like that was like how it how we took it, but. Or you joke about it, like coach losing his head again. Look at look at look at coach on the sideline flipping out. It's hilarious, but I I always felt like it was like kind of counterintuitive. Like you, you coach and say keep your head and don't let your emotions right. get the better of you, and then here you are blowing a gasket on the sideline over you know whatever the mistake was, whatever play happened. It's like which is it, coach? Like what what yeah. do you want me to do? But I don't know. I never I never really got that coaching style. Do you think that you'd like playing for one of the perceived nerds? So Brandon Staley or, say, Mike McDaniel, because we've, we've been bringing this up with McDaniel since he got hired. He's a weird bird. Yeah. And football locker rooms are used to having must champs. Yeah. And, and some of the guys, there's always some heavies. And they might be on the staff. That's the thing. When you build a staff, I'm, I'm not ripping them. You know, kind of the, the new age nerdy guy. They both played college football. Um, but when you build a staff, you have other guys who can be the heavies and, and do the yelling. But I... We've been talking about this since he got hired. Yeah. What's going to happen when the Dolphins, who were 8-3, and three, run into tough times, and then all of a sudden maybe they're 8-8? Eight and eight. Do people around the locker room go, hey, that guy's not pushing my buttons? Yeah. I, that's a possibility. It's a very real possibility. I think the person – it's not just that he's a smart guy or like a nerd, I guess is how you want to say it, like a, a mind of football rather than like a tough guy, actual played it in the trenches guy. It's that it's just – it's kind of weird. Like, it, it, it's distracting almost. It, it's, it's becoming kind of a joke, and it's funny, like the little sound bites of him on the sideline kind of making snarky comments or whatever, like, hey, I like how you made that tackle. It's, like, just kind of weird and off-putting. It, it's not the, the usual football attitude. And there's something to it. I mean, the Dolphins are enjoying the success right now, but what, like you said, as soon as it's not good, as soon as their offense gets figured out, as soon as the offense is sputtering or you just get – physically dominated by another team is it going to be funny then like is it going to be acceptable in the locker room then and there's coaches that are funny Andy Reid is from what I hear a funny guy in the locker room like the players think it's okay to joke with him and all that there's there's a degree of that but I've never seen a coach just be like weird with yeah. the players especially like in the middle of games it just I don't know that it's gonna go over well if, if things start to take a turn I for mean the it's clear Andy Reid when he needs to turn it on and be a disciplinarian yeah. I and mean, we've seen it in the commercials I mean, drawing those mustaches, that's tough stuff. <laughs> Sign up for an A-Play card and receive a guaranteed $10 in free play with a chance to win up to $150 in free play at the William Hill Race and Sportsbook inside Silver 7s. Josh is a great coach and pushed me really hard and coached me hard and we just worked together and we were with each other every day and working hard so he expects a lot out of his players and he's a smart smart guy he's got great memory great recall he remembers things from certain games and, and all that so definitely a great coach and looking forward to you know going against them hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver Sevens it's Cofield and Company you know, we were just talking about what we're used to in football and a comfort zone and that, like, Mike McDaniel and Brandon Staley being a little bit nerdy, more thinking, um, you know, dudes instead of, like, a Dan Campbell. I don't know. Go back oh, yeah. to, like, you know, Mike Singletary, with, you know, where, where he's just exploding. You know he's yelling at guys, and Campbell's just, a, as we call him, the big galoot. Um, 
There's something about the Raiders and Patriots. So there's Mac Jones talking about Josh McDaniels that makes me uneasy this week. Like I know I don't want to use a soccer term like a friendly, and I don't think that's the way the game is going to play out. But there's like everyone is so afraid to say anything. Like even McDaniels is like not just another game, not a big deal. Like it's not. Like why isn't it? Like I guarantee it's not just another game for Belichick. No, they're they're actually in playoff contention. So you think he's going to play nice with you? Is your plan to play nice with him? Like he's going to crush you. Like like. Belichick is a stone cold killer when it comes to this kind of stuff, and as he should be. Um, and I remember this is not the first time the Raiders have been in the conversation because of with like you know the friendly match or taking it easy or or mailing it in intentionally because the conversation came up last year and uh, when when the Chargers Raiders game was like, do they play for a tie and how friendly will the game be uh, if both teams and it actually came down to it where that it played out before our eyes and the game was like they had a potential scenario was like they're going to play for a tie so they they both get in. But with McDaniel's in a relationship with, with the Patriots, it's obviously there. They, I'm, I doubt it. They're like they're not friends, or they don't communicate on a regular basis, even if it's as a mentor or whatever with Belichick and McDaniel's. But do the Raiders lay down and, and roll over for the Patriots to help them with All their right. chances to get in? It's one of the great storylines of the rest of the season. Yeah, they're still in the playoff race, but you know they really don't control their own destiny. How are they going to play? Being spoilers. I don't know how and, – and this spot, you know, I don't think the players give a rat's ass that yeah. McDaniels is a disciple of Belichick, so they're going to go out and they want to beat Belichick. But I just – I don't know. It's just there's like a weird vibe. And, and a lot of it's because these are just not loquacious, you know, hyped-up coaches yeah. who will give bulletin board material or are going to act like, you know, a game's an important game. So uh, we'll see how it plays out. So big story here in Vegas and actually a big story nationally, UNLV football getting a lot of attention today. For hiring Bobby Petrino, who's you know a guy who's been very controversial over the years, has had weird endings to uh, his last you know big coaching stops. We talked early in the show about hey rolling the dice on a guy like this. Every time there is a coaching opening, at least in my memory, let's say this century, there is a group of fans that want UNLV to kind of go back to the edgy days, the fu days of Tark and hire a guy like that for football or basketball. So you hear Urban Meyer, who whatever coach has had success and is looking for a second or third chance, hey, UNLV could be the spot. Basketball, I mean, I can. there's a laundry list of guys over the years. Rick Pitino was always mentioned since 2000 or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bob Huggins has been mentioned. There's other guys, and I'm going to bring up an important one in a minute here. But I believe UNLV has tried to sanitize things since – Tark, and maybe to its own detriment mm-hmm. by not taking a chance on certain people. And clearly, President Whitfield and Eric Harper are not of that mindset. We know that Desiree Reed Francois was of that mindset. She did not want to be connected mm-hmm. with anyone who had some controversy. And it was repeated in her hires. And I remember the basketball search before Otzelberger. Names were thrown out there like Mike Miller, who's connected to Ryan Miller, who's a former UNLV assistant. Well, Ryan Miller has a reputation. He's going to get players. Right. However he needs to get players. And I remember that that was, you just knew she was not going down that path. I also believe that is one of the reasons, the morality thing and wanting to appear to be clean, I think it's one of the reasons that Tony Sanchez and Marvin Menzies were both fired. And it wasn't just because they weren't her guys. Right. Tony was going through marital issues, right? There may have been some other things, right? Um, 
Marvin Menzies was loosely connected to some talk about players being brought in using your resources, right? Brandon McCoy, others. I think she went out of her way to go, you know what? I don't want to be associated with, with that. I don't want the school to be associated with that. And my next hire will not be associated with stuff like that. That's just a small example of mm-hmm. it. Um, and when I say to the school's detriment, because all these situations are, are very much debatable. A second and third and fourth chance doesn't mean that, hey, the person is going to screw it up and bring shame upon the university. But, you know, for the longest time, they wanted to push the Tark days as far away as they could. I will tell you that I believe the person they blew it the most with, because I think there are multiple opportunities to get him, was Kelvin Sampson. And look what Kelvin Sampson is doing at a UNLV-like situation in Houston. Mm-hmm. I think that happened with Kelvin Sampson. Up, oh, problems at Indiana. Got to stay away. No controversy. So I'm completely fascinated that, hey, there's some vetting going on here. If they trust their vetting, the new leadership at UNLV is like, you know, it's, it's go time. And by the way, it's, is it a gamble worth taking if, if they win and they can win at a higher level in football and become a little more relevant? Does that mean things open up to the next level? And what I mean by the next level is power five. I think this UNLV market is, like the Las Vegas market, I think it's fair to say, or or reasonable to say at least, that the thing that's missing from UNLV taking that step is winning. So like it, like everything else is kind of lined up for the jump to a bigger, uh, you know, a bigger conference in in football and in basketball, really. But to to make that jump, the only ingredient that's missing administratively is the fact that we don't have a winning program. So I would say yes, if the wins come, looking down in the future, it's like. Absolutely, you can. It's that would be the reward, part of the reward uh, of making this kind of quote unquote risky hire, is that you get the production of being uh, a part of a Power Five, you know, Pac-12, whatever conference. And who knows what the conference alignment would look like in five years, anyway? But uh, that that's one of those things. And going back to like the, there was a, a perception that I'm I'm not a Vegas native. I wasn't born and raised here, but I had the Southern California perspective of Vegas kind of being the playground and where you go to get in trouble and things like that when I was coming up. Obviously now I, I'm raising a family here, so I get it that the community is much bigger than, than that. But there was, and I can remember this, a very a very strong effort, not just in the UNLV community, but in every, this is, goes back to when I was getting recruited by Mike Sanford and, and Todd Berry back in the day. It was, there was a very strong effort to hide away and, and to put the, the bad and negative images of Vegas into the closet and never bring them up and and only market Vegas as something you know some wholesome community which you know there is that but I think even you look back at you know Desiree and the last uh, administration at UNLV it's, it's like the hesitance to embrace that little things with Tony Sanchez's tenure like him embracing the showgirls I remember there was a big deal a kerfuffle whatever you want to call it about him bringing recruits in and people that had committed to the university and having them pay, take pictures with showgirls. And it was like, do we really want to project that image? And not just UNLV, but the, the, there were people in the community that were like, hey, what are we really selling here? Mm-hmm. Like, what, what are we doing? The, from the design at Sam Boyd, the, the turf, to, it was designed to look how like about, a blackjack table. How about the player acquisition? Because I don't know that the story's been told a whole bunch, but Tony Sanchez had Bubba Bolden yeah. in the fold coming back to town. Well, he had a... A situation at USC that went down, and he was told, 
No. We can't, you, you, we can't you, have you, it you here. Can't, you can't bring him. And then he went on to transfer to Miami, had a good career, you know, is now trying to make his way to the NFL. Yep. I mean, what does a guy like that do to change the program? And this, this was, again, in recent years, it was at the peak of, like, cancel culture, where everybody was, like, digging up people's history and, like, oh, that person just got hired here. He did that 10 years ago. Nope, that's, that's bad. And I think now it's settled down to be more of a forgiving. Stories of redemption now are being more appreciated. I guess second chances are, are now coming back. Like People are now being allowed to return after making mistakes. And as a university, I think what the stance you take is we know the history. We understand the past. We know what things happen at another institution. But you're also saying we trust our administration. We trust the way we do th- things here to say if it were to happen here, we would act swiftly, accordingly, deal out the proper punishment, and make sure that it's evaporated once it happens. We're not going to judge him from 15 years ago. We're not going to say he can't coach football because of 15 years ago, however long whatever incidents were. But here, it ain't going to happen with us. We know we've vetted. We've done what we needed to do to make sure it ain't going to happen here. And on the off chance that it does, because sometimes history does repeat itself, uh, some things you can't avoid, if it does happen, we know how to handle it. We're not going to cover it up. We're not going to lie about it. We're going to be upfront. We're going to cut whatever needs to be cut and move forward. But honestly, when you look at, like you said, the reward of, of a coach that knows what he's doing or that can win, that has demonstrated an ability to win football games or coach an offense or have success with individual players like Lamar Jackson, when that name gets thrown around, you connotate those two names. It's like, well, we're willing to see where this thing goes at least. Give it a chance. Uh, with the things in history, especially when you're not talking about illegal things. And that, we talked about it earlier with Xavier, with, about legality versus immorality and like what you're comfortable with. Well, I would say the, the Arkansas thing was bordering on a, a workplace issue where Correct. You know, you're fooling around with a, a subordinate. Right. We've seen it took down an NBA coach. Exactly, now, there was the more, Celtics, yeah. There was more beyond that. Uh, let's continue on this. Caleb Herring is co-hosting today, doing a really good job. We're at Silver Sevens getting ready for the Niners. And the Seahawks, 77 cent beer startup at kickoff. Who wants to go to the Las Vegas Bowl? We got a four pack of tickets right now going out. Gators and Beavers. It's Florida and Oregon State. SEC against the Pac 12. You can grab your tickets at Ticketmaster.com. Midday kickoff, 11:30 kickoff at the Al. It's this Saturday, this Saturday. Ticketmaster.com. Las Vegas Bowl. We got a four pack right now. Talk to Ari 364-1100. Caller seven. 777 gets you two hot dogs, two bags of chips, and a 22-ounce Bud, Bud Light, or Michelob Ultra Draft on NFL and Golden Knights game days at the Silver 7s Hotel and Casino. Harrison Bailey drops back, looking good protection. Long pass in the near side of the field. Kyle Williams with a reception, and he's in for a Rebel touchdown. Whoa, baby. 45 yards, and the Rebels have tied it. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s, it's Cofield and Company. Highlight from the season. We'll see what the roster looks like. A lot of news to report on around UNLV football. A lot of unknowns, right, as uh, Barry Odom's putting together a staff. UNLV did tweet out officially after reports this morning saying that Bobby Petrino, well-traveled, has had some controversy over the years. The jokes are out there today. Oh, Petrino in Vegas. Well, they officially named him offensive coordinator today. Uh, I thought Braden Gall, National College Football Analyst, who does ESPN Radio and 440 Sports in Nashville. I hope a lot more people have that attitude that while, you know, Petrino has, you know, a real sordid history, um, the busting Vegas' chops over it is getting a little bit 
old. Yeah. Um, the, the, the tale should kind of of Petrino should kind of end that because uh, he didn't get in trouble in Vegas. He got in trouble in, you know, small town USA. Now, this can be a place that, yeah. you know, you can you can succumb to vices. Um, I think the flip side of it is it's a place where you absolutely have to show some self-control and uh, some great triumphant stories to point to are guys like Darren Waller. Yeah. You know, who's, who's and Max Crosby. To, and Max Crosby who had uh, issues with alcoholism and Waller with drug addiction and you know, Waller's been hurt this year, but their careers took off here in Vegas, so it's worked really well. I know you wanted to talk about the roster and talent acquisition and if you can recruit to Petrino's football reputation, which he's been connected to high-powered offenses and great quarterbacks over the years. Can you do that with a guy who's been away from the mainstream for a little bit? He's 61 years old, so can you do that with kids? That's, that's going to be a challenge. I think you have to. It's mandatory to make Lamar Jackson's collegiate success almost synonymous with his coaching ability. And that's the task, I think, right now. From a recruiting standpoint, it's a sell, sell, sell that Lamar Jackson did what he did at Louisville while Petrino was coaching him. And that's a name that I think Lamar Jackson, at this point, what college recruiting has become, and you look at the teams that have really had success, and Lincoln Riley being – I think at the top of it from a Division One standpoint, uh, what you're able to do with the transfer portal and recruiting and how quickly you can bring a program up, the name that you can sell is often what's what kids are looking for. Like the, 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 the ability to say, that guy is the one that I'm going for. I'm going for that coach. And I know there's a lot of people that maybe disagree with that, but that's what recruiting has turned into. Look, I mean, look at Deion Sanders right now at Colorado and what he's able to do uh, as far as landing guys just off of his name, the people he was able to draw to Jackson State there off of his name alone. Now, Petrino doesn't have the name to resonate with the youth, I don't think. He's not the one that's readily identifiable, but that's why it's so important, I think, from a recruiting standpoint to say, yeah, you may not know who he is, but once I explain to you that he coached Lamar Jackson during his Heisman run, then you say, oh, I want to be a part of whatever he's putting down. He got Lamar there, like – that, that's the kind of success he can bring you as a coach. That's what I need to be a part of. There's also a part of it where the parents are being recruited, and I've talked about this in the past before. You're not just recruiting the kids. You're recruiting their, their inner circle to say, like, do, does my dad trust this guy? My dad's a football junkie. He's always been a part of the decisions I make. You know, you're sitting in that high school player's living room or he's in the transfer portal. Their family's going to be important too. Do the parents identify with Petrino and what he's done, negatively and positively? There, you have to work both sides of that. But that's to me the challenge: is to uh, a coach that's been so well established and and built relationships in the SEC and and whatever that recruiting landscape was during his time down there. Can now he get the same recognition in living rooms on the West Coast, in California, up the Northwest, in Hawaii, or the normal recruiting spots for UNLV? And more importantly, in the current UNLV transfer portal, the names that UNLV has in the transfer portal that he's going to have to be identified. There's some big names, especially on the offensive side, that are in the – Kyle Williams, the highlight coming back. He's in the portal. Aiden Robbins, 1,000-yard rusher, he's in the portal. Like, Leaf, in the portal. There's plenty of names in the portal right now that he's going to have to re-recruit. Is his name going to be enough to get him back? Big day tomorrow. Q Myers, Josh Jacobs, meet and greet. Running back for the Raiders going to be out. At Ford Country in the Valley Automall starting at 6 o'clock. Josh Jacobs, Raiders, that's tomorrow. It's a great opportunity to help 
the Serving Our Kids Foundation. People can drop off boxes of individually wrapped food items like ramen, beef ravioli, applesauce, granola bars, cookies, cheese, crackers, and more. 920 on the road. Q and Josh Jacobs, Ford Country, Valley Automall.